Happy Monday, everybody. I hope your weekend treated you well. I hope you really enjoyed that last uh, interview. Uh, Tarek was amazing. Um, I have a really special guest today. We had an amazing conversation uh, over StreamYard. So remember, if you guys are following me on Twitter and YouTube, uh, all my interviews are streamed live. So you can check those out. I'm trying to figure out how to get those over to the Discord channel uh, to make this more exclusive for you guys. But if you're not a part of the Discord channel, please visit my website, click on the join Discord button and join the group. That's where we network. That's where we talk. That's where eventually all my live streams will be. Uh, we'll have live Q and A's there. That's where I want the group to be. Uh, I am stepping away from Facebook and Instagram just because I realize it's not good for my soul. So uh, follow the newsletter. You can sign up for that at Dalton K. Jensen. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter. I will be writing there periodically uh, and kind of growing my fan base there. But the gist of this is going to be in the Discord group. So go ahead and join the Discord. I uh, really appreciate you guys. And without further ado, let me introduce Jill McCabe, who is a coach, a business coach. Uh, she's a leadership coach. We had an amazing conversation. If you are interested in any of her services, you can check her out uh, anywhere at Jill McCabe. She's on jillmccabe.com. She's also the author of the new book, It's Go Time, and that will be released here shortly. I will uh, send out uh, in my newsletter and on my Discord when that book releases and how you can get a hold of it. Uh, but this is just a pre-launch for a book, and it was absolutely fantastic. You guys are going to absolutely enjoy this episode. So please welcome Jill McCabe, and I hope you guys enjoy Welcome, everybody. This is Don Jensen, and you're tuning into The Thinking Project. Well, <laughs> what I was going to say was, um, those are good problems to have. Uh, living, living next to the ocean is one of my dreams one day. Yeah. So hopefully it happens. But, it's uh, going to happen. <laughs> seriously. So, happen. so you're... Jill. Yes. And uh, thank you for joining me on the podcast. I really appreciate you uh, taking the time. Um, I think we're going to have a great time. You're an author. You're a coach. You're a teacher. All the above. Yep. Um, what got you? Take us all the way back. What got you started on this journey? What made you want to choose this path? Is this something that you've always wanted to do? Okay, no. So when I was little, I definitely did not know what I wanted to be when I grew up. Yeah. Um, you know, I, first of all, thank you for being here. Second of all, <laughs> the thinking project is the best title. Third of all, I'll answer your question. What, what made me want to do this? Um, I'll just rewind to uh, about a decade ago when I was working as a consultant. So I've had a few, I've like reinvented myself a few times. Uh, I first thought I was going to be, an artist. <laughs> I was going to be in theater. And, uh, and then I actually did okay in theater. I don't know why, because at one point I saw myself on TV and I was horrible. And I was like, <laughs> I, I'm clearly the worst person in this production. I ruined it for everybody else. And so I quit the theater and decided to become a chef. <laughs> and then, um, I opened a restaurant with uh, my twin brother, who's an amazing chef, but really over time, it, it turned out that I really wasn't that good at cooking either. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I opened a restaurant with him, but we actually had an internationally famous restaurant because he was actually that good. So wow. I did well in the restaurant industry 
sold that didn't just felt empty. Just like, I was like, I just was like, I could, I, I mean, I remember saying to him one day, you know, yeah, we've done really well, but if this is all we ever do, this is all we ever achieve, like at 30 at the time. Yeah. <laughs> what, like if I sit up from my grave, will I, will I look back on my life and go, yeah, you know, yeah. or I go, yeah. something was missing. And I kind of, at that point thought, gee, something would be missing. And I spent a decade from 30 to 40 trying to figure that out. Didn't really work. Ended up in consulting. And then I got hit by a car. Um, oh. You know, I mean, many of us have, right? So it's not that unique of a story. It was uh, 18 months of recovery is more unique. Um, yeah. And a lot of brain stuff that had to be recovered. And once again, it was like, I need something more fulfilling. And mm -hmm. so it turns out the teaching and coaching uh, business, um, my parents were entrepreneurs. My grandparents were entrepreneurs. It was in the family. And I just, I grew up sometimes having food to eat and sometimes not having food to eat. and teaching entrepreneurs how, you know, how not to put their livelihood at risk was really important to me because I had seen, you know, the highs and the lows. We had done really well in our restaurant. And then after 9-11, we were really hit. Like that was way that long ago. Mm -hmm. We were really hit. And then, you know, we came back up and I did well because I had an education in how to run businesses. That was, by the way, the one thing I just <laughs> eventually good at something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, it sounds like you didn't do bad. Didn't do too bad in the restaurant industry. Yeah, we did well, but it was interesting. It wasn't transferable knowledge. Doing well in the restaurant industry is not why I'm good at businesses. It was actually I opened another business in that mm. flaw. And so, what I ended up sort of realizing over time is just because you have one success, you don't necessarily know how to reverse engineer success. Yeah. And I became a consultant and I really enjoyed that. And then I just wanted more, like, what do we, I mean, I think anyone yeah. who's an entrepreneur, we want what we want more freedom. We want yeah. control, you know, our lives. <laughs> We're unemployable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you're not wrong though. You're not wrong though. Because, uh, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs just, I mean, uh, and business owners, they just have, they just have that itch and they would rather, they would rather bet it all on them. You know what I mean? And, and it's, so and they would rather lose betting on them than win betting on someone else. Oh my gosh. Don't you know what I'm saying? Totally. Like <laughs> I, I did that. So, okay. So then, yeah. So then. So 40, I have this ex, this life crisis, this car accident, and I realized I don't want to consult anymore. I'd been helping kind of not very nice people make money off of the backs of their workers. It was making me sick to my heart. Um, and I was like, what am I going to do? But then I went into like six figures of medical debt. Mm, I actually did yeah. go back to consulting. I was smart. I got better clients after that. But, <laughs> yeah. um, but I so still when you made money for other people and it drove me crazy. Sorry yeah. about that. Well, I was going to ask, you had that experience with having a few people that you were helping. You didn't agree with their trajectory. You didn't agree with their business plan or whatever. Yep. You just cut, you just cut them off. You're just like, look, I'm not doing this anymore. I can't do it. Well, actually what ended up happening is the light, you know, the universe cut them off <laughs> because I got hit by car and oh, okay. I literally couldn't even can finish jobs that I was on. Like oh, I had, yeah. I had a lot of brain uh, stuff that I had to recover from. Yeah. Uh, so that was actually taken yeah. that opportunity to help those people was taken away from me. Which <laughs> great. And then I was wiser about getting better clients, but I was still mm -hmm. 
working by the hour, making people a lot of money um, with my business development skills. And that was very frustrating to me. Yeah. So even, even in a consulting position, helping someone else, you know, am I, am I hearing that right? Like helping other people make the money for themselves was still not fulfilling for you. Well, I liked parts of it, but the nature of the consulting that I was doing. So I would work in an entrepreneurial company that was maybe 10 years old. And so the entrepreneur would be all like, this is great. This is exciting. Go fix my team. And the team was like, I don't want to be fixed. (laughs) Yeah, that's tough. No, that's tough. What I actually decided, so it was interesting. Yeah. What I actually decided was I don't want A to pay me to fix B. Oh, okay. So I just wanted to work with, so sometimes B would be like, yay, this is such an amazing, exciting opportunity for me to develop my career. And sometimes yeah, yeah, yeah. it would be like, leave me alone. We've been doing it this way for 15 years. Who are yeah, you? Right. you know? And I've always looked younger than I am. And so they think I was like 10 years old trying to tell them about their business. Right. <laughs> like, I went to right. Singapore and a client, they literally looked at me and they were like, who is, you're a woman, you're from, (laughs) you're a woman, you're from Canada. And what are you like 20? And I was like, not, I was, was you know? Yeah. Yeah. So some people were into it, but mostly I just, and so I just made this declaration. Like I only Mm -hmm. want to work with people who are signing up for their own success. Mm, Yeah. People who want to be there. Yeah. People who want to be there. I think this is why I'm drawn to coaches. I love teaching personally um, because it there is like, I find a lot of success and I, and I understand what you're saying. Cause I've kind of been on both sides. Like you, you know, I've, I've been uh, in sales, like my whole career, like I'm a sales guy, uh, sales um, manager and stuff like that in my career. What's up everybody. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by sauced up salsa and sauced up salsa with so many different flavors to choose from, when you add in their homemade chips, they're perfect for family nights, date nights, and really anytime you need chips and salsa. The best part, I know the owner personally, and he puts all of his heart and soul into every recipe they put out. Their locally sourced ingredients are fire roasted to perfection every time, making it the best salsa you'll have in your life. So with the best salsa out there, what are you waiting for? Go visit SawStepSalsa.com, and when you sign up for their newsletter, you'll get 10% off your order. So go visit SawStepSalsa.com and tell them that the Thinking Project sent you. And uh, one of the best thing, one of the hardest things about going in and helping someone with their sales team is exactly what you described. You know, I, I had an experience where I was uh, helping, like, just give some tips to a, a sales team. And, and yeah, same thing. They're like, look look, I, we, we know, we know, we know it all. And, you know, and they're like, and even if we don't, we don't really want to switch. Like we don't really have time. And I was just like, all right, dude, fine. Like I'm out. You know what I mean? Like, Hey, look, dude, you're I, my favorite thing though, even though, even though it's frustrating, is like my, my favorite thing to do is look, your owner already cut the check, man. So I don't have to be here. Like, you know, what I, mean? I just got like, there's no refunds. So like, if you don't want me here, I'll leave. Because I don't okay. care. <laughs> that cracks me up because I said I did something very similar. So that yeah. same job when I was out in Singapore, they were all aghast that I was a woman. Okay. They were like, Yeah, which is weird. Which is... 
Yeah, because the person who hired me per- per- purposely didn't tell them, right? So, because they knew. <laughs> so okay. then... Um, <laughs> Weird so flex. then I got there and they were all really mistrustful. You know, you set up at, you know, the head of the table and they're going around yeah, the corner yeah. table and all the spaces like around the head of the table were empty. Jeez. You know, <laughs> but the thing is, I always set up at the opposite end, like okay. an bogus person. And then I always move and stand next to the people who <laughs> wanted to be the furthest away from me. So that's one of my little jokes. And then, yeah. and I said, so... And they were like, blah, blah, blah. What do you know? And they were just telling me to my face. I said, listen, you guys have hit a plateau in your organization. None mm-hmm. of you know how to fix it because you brought yeah. me in. I know how to fix it and have actually successfully done that for other organizations. <laughs> but I'm happy to have a great holiday in Singapore. I have never been here before. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Class and the hotel is paid. So I'm cool. If yeah. I can go have a good time. Or if you want to see, I know something about your problem. Um, then we can hang out and you can try me out. And they ended up uh, extending my stay, uh, paying for some time in Bali to pull in teams from Malaysia and India to work with me. So it ended no, up working really well. Good for but you. I, I but that's what, kind of what you need, though. I've, I've always felt like um, that's kind of what's missing. Like we've gone into this, not, and not to say this in like a bad way, but I think like I heard an author, one of my favorite sales authors, Jeff Blunt, he described it as hyper empathy. Yeah. So we've gone into this like very empathetic and, and like, like I'm an empath, you know, or at least I try to be right. I try to, I try to be very empathetic. Like I, I get, I get where people are coming from. It's a very useful tool. Um, but, but you go into this hyper empathy and I, where I think a lot of people miss the boat is like where, where to have confidence and empathy and where like those mix, right? Like, like, look, you know, I want to help you. I want what's best for you, but money already cleared, man. I don't like, if you don't want me here, I don't need to be here. But like, yeah, so like what do you, you know what I mean? What do you do with that? You know, I love that. So uh, yeah, I think highly empathic. Um, and I think they feel at first, they're not sure how to take it. Yeah. And there's an idea that comes from, you know, my training, I have a master's in leadership and one of the, you know, and even coaching, right? The, well, my coaching certifications, there's just a concept that we hold people capable. And so the concept is maybe what is empathy, right? Is empathy allowing people to get in their own way? Or is it actually taking a stand for someone? I know perfectly well they're not going to send the consultant away to go swim for, I wish they did. (laughs) But (laughs) yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Kind of saying, you know what? If you don't show up with some degree of I'm interested, this isn't going to work. So I might yeah. as well just go have fun on this holiday and let's just not pretend we're all trying to make something work when you're not really showing up. So in some ways it's sort of empathy. Yeah. It's, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. it's not something I want to say. It's something I've learned to say because I need people to show up for themselves. Yeah. 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 Well, and that's, can you hear me? Okay. By the way, I can. Yes. Okay, great. I had to put headphones on. I was, I was starting to hear echoes. I know that the, I think you put it, I think you, hit the nail on the head like it's very it's empathetic to tell people like you guys have to want this otherwise like it doesn't you know what I mean like I want you I want you to want it you know I want to do this I want to be here but at the end of the day like it's not gonna you know I'm also not gonna like I also have boundaries you know what I mean and I think that that's 
I think that that's a great uh, point. I, I, I thought that confidence was missing in a lot of people. And I learned that lesson that you were talking about um, the, the hard way. Cause I, I like one of the lessons that you were talking about was like being interested in people who want to invest in themselves. Like yeah. that's gotta be the key because I used to give all my stuff. Like I remember I was in a sales organization. I had spent a lot of money on my own personal development, like while I was in sales uh, and I, I'd done all the books and courses and and whatever. And I ha- I had collected all these handouts. Like I kept everything. Every time I went to a seminar and somebody handed something out or they had a book, like I kept it. And so I had everything. And I was like, look, I'll, you can sit down with me. I'll give you all the stuff. I'll give it to you for free. Like I spent thousands, but you don't have to do that. You just got to listen to me. And like, no, no one did it. Yeah. And then, and then I, and then I was like, look, this isn't mine, but if I'm going to take 30 minutes to teach you about this, you're going to have to give me, you're going to have to pay me. You're going to have to give me a half deal or you're going to have to do something. And then uh, people listened. Yep. (laughs) I was like, this is ridiculous, man. I don't get it, but I guess I, I do now. I didn't then, but I do now, (laughs) you know? And it's, and it's ridiculous. It is. It is. Um, well, it's, we're more comfortable, even with the clients I work with, right? It's, it's, we're more comfortable with sort of the thing we know, like we're more, we're more afraid of losing something than we are of gaining, right? That's mm-hmm. like just a human motivation. I'm sure in sales, you know that. And so yeah, a yeah. lot of my background from change leadership and even building, helping people build businesses now, it's so much psychology is involved. Like Mm -hmm. so much psychology. I actually, um, I love people who are in sales because I have learned they have done, like, you just have to do so much self-development to be able to handle those no's, right? You have to be, you have to have a, (laughs) you have to develop a who you are. You have to do so much good stuff in terms of, so I'm really into like neuroscience and behavioral science and how does that all impact all of this? Yeah. I find sales is kind of cool because you, you can't be in sales and not develop yourself. Right. Unless you have like literally no emotions. (laughs) (laughs) Well, then you're not really a good salesperson. You just start pissing people off. Fair enough. Yeah. 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 No, that's, uh, that's true. And that's one of the reasons that drew me to sales was because like, and, and, and again, like one of the things I thought was missing was like this confidence, uh, aspect. And, uh, and yeah, like, uh, the good ones, the good ones do, you got to be able to take, take the nose and be really comfortable in your own skin. Because usually, like I would say 90% of the time, the nose not personal. Yeah. You know, it just is what it is. And so you just move on. And I hate it. The, ter- the saying is what it is, but I haven't found a better one. So if you got a better one, I'm all ears. So. Uh, I'll work on that. <laughs> yeah, no, like that was like, all. so the confidence piece is interesting because confidence has come up. Yeah. Tell me more. Um, yeah. So confidence, somebody asked me like, you know, how would you describe yourself? And I, I don't know, I listed these things. It was for some personality profile oh, and, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it, it was like, what kind of leader are you? Blah, blah, blah. It was another coaching program I'm in. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I'm like confidence, you know, work in progress. You know, where do you rate yourself on the scale of 110, all this stuff? Yeah, that's right. And I'm like, how, you know, how do I rate myself? And I thought, well, if you would ask my clients and like students and people in my communities, they'd be like, she's so confident. But, you know, (laughs) (laughs) I am and I'm always striving like for more. 
right? So I'm really driven. So I have like literally a mission to save people's lives through their businesses. I Mm -hmm. am, I am called to help people not risk their livelihood and the livelihood of their families. I saw it happen. Like we didn't have enough to eat growing up. We lost our family home. Mm-hmm. So I've really seen people lose a tremendous amount through going into business for themselves uninformed, right? So mm-hmm. I'm deeply passionate. So because of my cause and because of my passion behind what <laughs> I do with my clients, I come across as confident. But if I just wanted a nice life business, I already created that. I yeah. want to get out there and help people save their businesses mm-hmm. and not yeah. be- huge mistakes that a lot of people have no clue. They're spending tons of time on things they don't need to. That's what my book, It's Go Time, kind of gets into. Nice. And, you know, because I'm constantly trying to push, like reach more people, get the message out, help them do the right things in business. I'm constantly pushing myself into areas like I haven't been into before. And Mm -hmm. that causes new levels of confidence because I'm constantly doing, like I have an article in Forbes about imposter syndrome. And I'm like, well, I realized if you don't have imposter syndrome, there's actually a bit of a problem. That means you're happy with the status quo. Sure. Yeah. 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 Right. Because, oh yeah, I'm good at this. I've done it. You know, if I just yeah. always did the same thing over and over, yeah. then well, of course I wouldn't have imposter syndrome, but if I'm always striving for like, oh, let's go here, let's go here. Like let's, you know, <laughs> yeah. I'm here on this planet to like, I don't know, like become the best I can. Like I'm like one of those people. Right. Yeah. So right. Become, right. Like, how can I grow? How can I help the most people? How can I have been of service? And that's always going to require me reaching out of my comfort zone. That's going to take confidence that I have to find from somewhere, you know, like <laughs> clean this off where they're from. And then, yeah. <laughs> then and, and just put on a brave face. But sometimes even my team members look at me and like, they see me just like, you know, they see me go, I don't know what to do. And they're like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I call that... Uh, it, <laughs> There's a few things I call it, but, but I like pregame jitters, right? Cause I, I think if you go into a thing and you're not nervous, something's wrong. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I played sports all growing up, but my favorite one was wrestling. And, and if you, and if you weren't in, like, if you didn't have pregame jitters, if you weren't a little nervous to like go up, you know, wrestle against your next opponent or, or like you went to a tournament and you weren't nervous, you were at the wrong tournament. You were wrestling the wrong person. There you go. Right. And so I, the wrong place. I couldn't agree with you more. Like what, what is making you not feel this is a competition? Right. Right. Even Muhammad Ali. Yeah. I love yeah. Muhammad Ali. I, I know it's like, but I just think of him when I think of someone who could have all the confidence in the world. Yeah. And even he would, you know, I, he would take his matches seriously. Right. Right. Absolutely. So yeah. now you're, so now your book, it's go time. Yeah. I want to talk a little bit about that. I mean, I want to talk, you know, a lot about that actually, but um, you, you brought up that, you know, you like helping business owners, you know, focus on things like, like stop focusing on problems that they, that they shouldn't be worried about. Um, focus on, focus on stuff that they should start doing. Yeah. What, what are some of the things that you see business owners doing that maybe they're doing, you know, what are some of the things that they're missing? What are some of the things that you see most commonly like go wrong? Like, like what can people just from this quick podcast that we do, like what can people just start to like be aware of? 
So would you, so, I mean, I think it's a little bit different for product businesses, tech businesses and, okay. and talent-based businesses. So would you say which, and I've actually, I've had experience with them all. My own major expertise now is with talent-based businesses, like expertise businesses, but sure. in consulting, I worked with the gamut. I've worked with over 20 industries. Yeah, so what yeah. would you say the listeners would want to hear? Oh yeah. You know what? A lot of us, uh, I think I think a few of us have products, but a lot a lot of us are service based like businesses, okay. right? So focusing because the thing is, when you're talking about a bigger business, it's different. So I'm yeah, going to yeah. preface this and say I'm answering this for those of you who are listening, <laughs> uh, who are actually selling your talent, knowledge, expertise, and time. That is what it's yeah. go time was written for that audience. So I'd say the thing that people are doing. Um, so the the thesis, if you will, of it's go time is there is a lot to do as a business owner, right? More than can humanly be done by a person. It's not possible, right, to be good at operations, you know, team building, development, leadership, uh, sales, marketing, you know, vision, blah, 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 blah. Okay. Yeah. So the only hope one has, right, in my opinion, <laughs> is to really understand the order of operations that gives you the greatest leverage. Yeah. Right. There's yeah. Uh, there's projects that give you leverage, and there's pro- projects that don't. Um, and I could give you an example of something that was sort of came up in a group that I was talking about today, which was when to do your website. So a lot oh, of people okay. do their website at like way the wrong time, and websites can actually be a detriment and lead to people making less money and struggling longer uh, because uh, so a lot of people they're like they get going and blah 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 and they're like i need a website and it's like no you need market validation (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah that's a good point you do because websites can actually be client and money repellent if they are using your words websites that are effective are actually pulling Mm. words out of not your clients' mouths, well, some testimonials, but um, your ideal target's mouths. So right. the, the language and vernacular that somebody has prior to getting their problem solved, because people understood the problem they have, okay? Because yeah. I know you've got smart, I'm going to say like there's smart listeners here. Yes, so I'm going to yes. go, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to treat everyone like they're really smart. <laughs> if you, any problem can be solved for free, right? Through books and on, and on YouTube. Yeah, pretty much, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's fair. gave away his like, <laughs> just yeah. like, yeah, so if you yeah. know the right questions to ask, you don't really need to pay someone. So, what's the problem? The problem is that you have the answer and you don't know how to apply it without a coach, or you don't have the right question. Sure. So, bring that back to the website. Someone goes to your website and you're using, and they don't know the problem they have and you're telling them all this stuff, but it's from your mind. That's already solved the problem. It's like, literally there's a gap there and they can't, you can't see each other. Sometimes the language (laughs) will come across condescending. Sometimes it will come across like very egomaniac. So, and I've done this, I know, because I was condescending and I was an egomaniac. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I get it. Me too. (laughs) The kettle is black here. (laughs) So, um, (laughs) Yeah, no, it's like just, so that is one of the things that makes a real mistake. So the better time to do your website is I uh, get market validation, find out what people are saying before you've helped them, grab that language, that pain, that suffering, 
get that really clear on the website and then make your website all about the outcome and the hero, um, you know, is definitely your client, not you. So that's the kind of thing that uh, usually with my clients, I, I have that in stage three of their build. I have, a, I do a four stage build with people and mm-hmm. you can make lots of money. I mean, you can make half a million dollars, quarter million dollars without a website. There's no need to start there. It's, it could, and the problem is like, and I did this, I had this like glitzy website. I paid all sorts of money for it, whatever. Eh, big smile. My hair was even blowing. Yeah. Like, <laughs> oh my God. It was so bad. And I, I like my business went down to zero. A marketing mm. friend would just like, just want to, She's like, that's not like you. you're a very nice person. You kind of look like a <clears throat> in this one. She's like, you should really take it down. And then, <laughs> and uh, she said, why don't you just put up your like name in one sentence about what you do and your email? Just leave it that. And that was way better. My like money started coming in again. Wow. Well, yeah. You know what? I think uh, people definitely look beyond the mark. Like you got, you know, the you, you got to have a fancy website. You got to have it all. But yeah, the content is more important. And and I like what you said there. You know, I learned, I had to learn about that. You know, sales in person is not the same as sales online. Nope. You know, it's not the same. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, I had to learn sales copy. um, And that was it, right? It's like, you know, I had a really great conversation with an entrepreneur on my podcast with a business owner. And I go, and I go, so how do you find customers? And he goes, and I'll never forget it. He was like, I listen for, for people, the people who want to work with me are the people who say, I can't find what I'm looking for. He was like a custom wood worker. And so he's like, so he's like, if you, if, if you find, you know, if you find, if I hear somebody say, I can't find what I'm looking for, I know I'm, I know I'm with the right person. He's like, so I get people. Cause he's like, if you can buy, he's like, if, if you're, if what you're describing to me is on Amazon, he's like, I'll just tell you to go to Amazon. He's like, yeah. because that's not what I need. Why am I going to do that? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Which I thought was like, great. And he absolutely crushes it. Absolutely kills it. And he tells people all the time. He's like, yeah, you can buy that on Amazon for 30 bucks. You don't need to pay me a thousand dollars to do it. Perfect. And I'm like, all right, <laughs> that works for me, man. Well, that's proper sales, right? Yeah, it's really yeah, matching yeah. the what you do and do best and knowing your ideal kind of client. And 100%, that's actually why I stopped selling through sales pages. Yeah. Because I realized we couldn't match people. People would self-identify as being in a very different place in business than they actually were. And then they would come into my early, you know, stuff and, and then they wouldn't get the results and I'd be like feeling terrible. So I just realized we have to get on the phone and match people. And it's like, Hey, if you're, and some people come in, they're more advanced and they don't know they're more advanced. So, well, that's the other thing that happens. Oh, (laughs) jeez. Sometimes people have actually progressed beyond a stage in business and I can think I can think of and they don't progress to the next step. So I I teach like four steps. I teach like Uh begin with an idea you believe in and that takes, you know, usually a couple of months to really and not in a business plan, but to really actually like get the right idea. Then you do market validation. Uh, Then you systemize your sales and delivery of your sales. Then you scale with ads, PR, stuff like that. Yeah. So you want to be able to, I, I like to say, you know, build Disneyland before you pick up the microphone and tell everyone to go to Disneyland. Right. And, right. and that's more about having your service yeah. and your sales systems in place. And so I, 
I, I just find that sometimes people actually just don't leave a step. You know, they're like, they build it all and blah, blah, blah. And then they just kind of like, let's say someone's proven their market, they've proven their idea, they get their testimonials, they have their case studies, they do their website, they do their funnels. <laughs> they're like, and then they don't tell anyone. Like I, I, I have somebody who keeps saying to me like, where is everybody? And I'm like, what are you doing to promote? Yeah. What are you doing? Like, you don't just put it up. It doesn't just, you know, the <laughs> web. The world. <laughs> this isn't, this isn't like, like I'm from Iowa. So I was, a, you know, this isn't the field of dreams. You're right. right you know, like if they, if you build it, they won't come. That's <laughs> they, you have to tell you build it. And then you have to say, Hey, and yeah. I think that was really hard for me because as a restaurateur, um, I was taught if you're any, it's interesting. I love that you said that sales in person is different than online. Like, I just think that's such an important thing that you said. Um, because I think yeah. a lot of people don't understand that, you know, they, and they take it personally and they're like, then it becomes about yeah. them. And <laughs> it's not that it's, it's a different game online. The language has yeah. to be so <laughs> exact. And I remember it was told you're only good in the restaurant business if you take off naturally, right? Uh, that's if weird. You have to advertise. You're terrible. And my hmm. first restaurant did take off like a, a worldwide sensation. It was like, oh, wow. oh my God, we had press all around the world. And so for the years, my business struggled because I wouldn't leave a step and I wouldn't advertise. I'm like, well, if I'm any good, then it will just take off naturally. <laughs> I don't have to advertise or DPR or anything. And then I realized like that was wrong thinking. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when you're talking about, and, and, and like, I think it's also interesting to point out, like there's industries are different, you know what I mean? But, but yeah when you're talking about restaurant, that might be a great way. I mean, I would still, I would still want some, I would still want to do something <laughs> for a restaurant, but. Why not get the word out? Why not hire yeah. a PR person? Why not? There's nothing. And, but I was taught like there was something wrong with that. Yeah. And so yeah, I thought, weird. and I have people from hospitality, you know, reinventing themselves uh -huh. in different businesses and they have the same thing. They're like, Oh gosh. Like, and now, yeah. and then you realize look, you actually still have to be really good. You can't advertise online to garbage. Like the word gets out pretty quick. People don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People will. So the thing <laughs> is you still have to be amazing. Yeah. And it's cool that we have this global economy so that when you act, you don't have to rely on the neighbors next door anymore. You can really right. start thinking about like, wow, who are the people who I could help all around the world? It all really over. becomes exciting. Yeah, absolutely. So what inspired you to write your book and what, I mean, and what, uh, I mean, obviously coaching from experiences is what you do. And then you write the book. Where does the, how does the book come into play in this, in your story? And, uh, and what, what was writing it like? What was that process like? Well, I'll, I'm going to pick the last question. Okay. It was horrible to write the book. Oh, really yeah. <laughs> I've right? heard that, by the way. Yeah. From a few like, authors I've interviewed. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm dyslexic. Uh, okay. Growing up, I was really humiliated by teachers for, I even had a teacher, I did all my homework like backwards 
And I had a teacher in grade two put me in the corner. I did my work correctly. I just did it backwards. And she put me in the corner and called me dumb and told my friends not to be friends with me. It was vicious stuff. Holy crap. It was bad. And so um, you could say that I had a little bit of a hang up through school. I had four. I had like a twin brother who's an off, you know, a wrestling champion and then scouted for professional football. I had um, older brother who was like, created like one of the first intelligent chess programs were Canadian. He got an invite to be American, like right then and there when he graduated university. Oh, wow. he was like, sure. I had a sister who was uh, amazing at the arts and sports. And so, and here I was like, I get C's and D's and everybody would always expect that from me. Like everyone wow. would be like, that's good, Jill. Oh, <laughs> so there's very low expectations Jeez. of me. It was tough. And, um, and so writing the book was like a soul exfoliation. Like you can't, <laughs> You can't imagine. Um, so I'm sure. literally called to write this book because I have seen too many people, including my family, my father, lose their shirts to entrepreneurship, um, go in it, say everything's fine when everything's not fine, um, pretend we're all okay and pretend the kids are eating when we actually, I had to buy all my own clothes from the, from age, from I was 11 with paper roots and stuff like that. Cause we didn't have money. We lost our family home during my teens. Jeez. I moved out when I was like 16 it was tough. And so, and I just saw this lack of knowledge because the, the problem is so many business books are written with totally unrelatable examples. Like, let me tell you how to be good at business. Yeah. For example, you know what Steve Jobs did? <laughs> Oh, it's so helpful. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. You know what I mean? So we're learning about Amazon, right? We're sure. learning about Facebook and Amazon and, and Apple. And you know why? Because those <laughs> stories are public domain, just to, to explain to people why authors do that. It's not because authors are being trying to be insensitive. It's because private companies that aren't publicly traded don't have these stories available because entrepreneurs often keep them under their lid. So one of the things I wanted to do with, um, so my partner is in academia. I also teach at, uh, or used to, I don't really need to do that anymore, but at executive education, one of the top exec educations in the world. And, and that's why I asked you that question, who is your mm -hmm. audience? Because I can answer these questions for bigger businesses, but mm -hmm. when you're just starting out, there is not good widespread education on the order of operations to build a business by yourself from your home based on your talents. Mm -hmm. And interestingly, how we do it is similar to how a larger business would do it, but we have to break it down differently because we're alone and we don't yeah. have the same size of teams and the same size of <laughs> So that's why I wrote, I wrote it. Honestly, if you want to just, what do I say to myself? I wrote it to save lives. Yeah. I think when a family doesn't have money to feed their kids, there's a problem. Yeah. And that was my family. Wow. That's yeah. an incredible story. Yeah. Holy cow. And you know what, as you're, as you're talking about the book and everything, I'm just so many things in my head, like that's exactly what, you know, why I started my podcast was to kind of break down to get, to get like the person next door because people, I get flack for this all the time and I don't really care because I, I believe this, that like, I mean, I don't think people like really want to be like Elon Musk or Jeff Bezos. Like I'm sure somebody listening to me might end up like that and that's fine. You know what I mean? But like, I'm talking about a majority, like people are like, they, they'll, they won't start their business or they'll think they'll failing at their business because 
you know, they, they didn't start it in their garage and now they don't have a million dollars. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. And it's like, you might not even want that lifestyle. Like, yeah, I just so want you to be. I think of like Grant Cardone, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, so super cool. But yeah. you might not want that lifestyle either. So right. the people who come to me are lifestyle people. They want better lifestyle. They are older, typically. I, yeah. uh, 50 to 60, really skilled at what they're doing. And they want nice life businesses. They're yeah. like, they usually want between 250 and 500 a year. And what's more important to them is that they have lots of time to enjoy their lives. And a lot of right. them, uh, and that is definitely what I tend to appeal to. Now, are there a couple of my clients who are like, <laughs> the cool thing about a business is once you get it to 250 to 500, you can scale it or just enjoy it. Yeah, no, seriously. And, but, and that's what, but that's why I do like, that's who I talk to. Are the people who are like, look, I don't want to be like, I don't like me personally. I don't want to be Elon Musk. Like I don't, I've had, you know, and I, I haven't had any of the, anywhere near the success he has, but I've, I've tasted some corporate life. I've tasted some, some, you know, other scenarios where like you, you have a lot of money, but you have people that you answer to, you know, like literally people who are like, look, I'm paying you a lot of money. If you don't answer the phone, like all of that goes, away. you know, I've had that kind of lifestyle that demand that and that kind of life, no. you know, that demands that, you know, and I'm like, I don't want it. And some people do. Some people like it. Sure, sure dude. And, and if that's your cup of tea, go drink it. But like, I know that there's more people like me who are like, look, dude, I want to make a I want to make good yeah. money. I want to have a camper and I want to go enjoy my life. OK, 100 percent. And that's <laughs> so that's interesting because that's definitely who a you know, I, I can think of somebody who came to work with me. He was a former larger entrepreneurial client. Then he uh, came to any kind of, and we talked about being, having integrity in sales. And mm -hmm. he was like, I want to be at 2 million in a year. And I went, I don't know how to get you there. <laughs> right. uh, like, I don't know how to get you there. I know how to get you to 250 probably in 14 months. And then from then you can scale, but I don't know how to get you to 2 million. And I said, you really yeah. need to go because I'm not going to make you happy. Um, and I can't get everybody to that, even to that level. I could get him to that level because I knew what his contacts were. Um, not yeah. even everybody can get to that level that fast. And I was like, listen, you've got a great, and I don't know if he's, and then I just said, and by the way, I wouldn't start there. I'd start with this other project, which he did do. But I was like, that's the thing. Like, I, I don't know how to scale. Like if someone else knows yeah. how to do that, go work with them. Yeah. Because I have a very methodical because I'm more into methodical, safe builds that make sure the homestead is okay. Which is, which is all that some people want. That's what I, that's why I did this. Right. Is like, there's people living right next door to you. Like we focus on Warren Buffett, Elon Musk, Grant Cardone. We focus on these guys and they're like our idols. And by the way, I've read all of Grant Cardone's books. I've, I have every single one of them. He, yeah. He's, he started out in car sales. Okay. Oh, okay. and uh, yeah. he started out in car sales. So all of his early coaching stuff is car sales. Then he, then he went to real estate and has never looked back. And yeah. And anyway, um, but like, I love those guys. Like I, I follow them Absolutely. all of them, but it's like, but you think you compare yourself to them when there's a guy right next door who owns a multi-million dollar business who lives the life you want to live, who works yep. as much as you want to work, yep. who would actually go to lunch with you if you asked him, if you even got to know your neighbor, right? 
good luck. Warren Buffett just sold. Warren Buffett had a had a had that auction. He auctions off a charity dinner. The last auction, Warren Buffett to have dinner with Warren Buffett. The last auction went over twelve million dollars. Yeah, I mean, good luck, dude. Good luck. Okay, but the guy but, right next door will do it for free. <laughs> yeah, and I I have a friend who who puts together very high end events for. Yeah. Some of the biggest names. I don't think I'll say the names. Sure, sure. Uh, You're fine. But but she said, uh, like the top names, like everybody would know. There's nobody who. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you know. Names. Yeah. And she puts together events, and she just said, if you have to pay to be at that dinner table, you didn't make the connection. Yeah, I know it's true. And I was like, That's good point. like, the real connections are behind the scenes. They're behind the curtain. That those are the connections that that you yeah. want to make. I uh, yeah I I have completely agreed with i think these oh you know what i was gonna tell you yeah actually, yeah yeah. people come in so they tell me what they want obviously like i work with people it's like so what do you want and i have noticed a common thread that actually holds people back from building okay really successful businesses is the design i do talk about this and it's go time uh i talk about this in chapter five i think even yeah um that when people come in with the goal of being famous they typically don't do as well as right. the people who come in with the goal of helping people. I want to mm. do a business because I want to help people. I mean, just how does that sound? Versus like, I want to do a business because I want to be on whatever show and be celebrated, right? And yeah, probably not going to happen. Yeah. And, but the thing is, but it's also like the motivation is for my thing. So if someone says to me like, the, and so I always have to talk to them and say, listen, I know you probably didn't think it came across like this, but you're saying you don't really want to help people because you want to help people. You're saying you want to help people so that Oprah will recognize you. Are you <laughs> sure that's what you want? And usually, you know, we'll talk and we'll find their other motivations, but there can be this. Um, and I honestly don't. And I mean, I think this comes back to this self, the self-confidence piece that we were talking about. Mm-hmm. We are so hungry to be seen for who we are. And it's like, oh my God, I finally got this validation. And yet the validation, it's got to be something we work on and it doesn't come from the outside. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I mean, a book that changed my life. Um, and I actually want to ask you about like books that you read and books that you oh, yeah. like. <laughs> um, like I, I love uh, reading um, because like, so I have a similar story. I, I have um, like ADHD and stuff like that. Uh, and so school was really hard for me. I grew up thinking like the public education system, like I grew up thinking that I hated books. Like I hated reading. I didn't like it. Um, but I just didn't like what they, cause then my yeah. uncle handed me a book. Uh, I, I also am a big, I like religious history, like all, all religion. Um, I just like that kind of stuff. And, uh, he handed me a, a religious history book. Like, um, Whoa. I think it was like, um, I can't remember, but it was, it was a hist- it was a, like a religion book and I ate, I read it in, I read it in two days and it was like, I mean, it was a big, I mean, it was a hefty book and I was like, oh. it's just interesting. All but, of a sudden you're interested in <laughs> devouring yeah, books. Yeah. yeah. Now I'm like, oh, I like, and then I found like self-help books and I found this philosophy genre and I found these, and I'm like, oh, this is cool. I can get down with this. Um, but I read a book by Mark Manson called The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. Yeah. Uh, that's the title. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no, I know. I know the book. <laughs> okay. Um, 
I, I used to say the subtle art and then I was like, no, but he wrote the whole title. So I'll That's just say the whole title. And then, uh, but the first chapter of the book is don't try. Like, and, and the idea behind the yeah. chapter is what you're saying. Like if you, you know, you can't force these things. Like if you want to, if you want to start a business to make a hundred million dollars, probably not going to make a hundred million dollars. Like, if, but if you start the business to help a hundred million people, you might make a hundred million dollars. Might make it, yeah. <laughs> yep. So I mean, I mean, it makes sense. So, what were some of your inspiration? What some of book inspirations did you have for writing your book, or or like? Uh, so my inspirations actually came from academia. So I, right on. One of my the other reason I guess I wrote my book is that I didn't really feel like what needed to happen was covered in a lot of the self-help books. Uh, so I had been reading those for about a decade and I've read some amazing ones and they've been inspiring, but I could not figure out for the life of me how to get a uh, law of attraction to work on anything I really cared about. And <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I, was like, yeah. I mean, I could get the best parking spots, but. <laughs> <laughs> or like the worst stuff would happen to me. <laughs> when it rains, yeah, it pours, I just, kind of thing. <laughs> um, I wanted, I became very interested with, uh, you know, because I was a successful consultant. I did know a lot about business and I knew a lot about goals and get And I became very interested in um, if goals are so effective, uh, you know, why don't all of mine work? You know, why <laughs> is there this hit and miss? And, you know, I didn't like the hit and miss. And so I ended up studying the neuroscience underpinnings of why goals work. And it turns out that that's actually very recent research. Uh, that okay. is... Lay it um, on me. I, I, well, it's chapter four. I'm going to mail you a copy of my book. I'm okay, going to get your address later <laughs> and send you one. Okay. Um, but it's uh, my book comes out in bookstores in, in September, actually. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, so... The neuroscience underpinnings of why goals work, there's actually, uh, and then I'm I'm trained in behavioral science. That's how I did my consulting work, which is basically reorganizing your world to make success inevitable and easy. Uh, so it's hard when we try to change ourselves, but we can actually move around pieces of our world and our social and environments. And we, and then we automatically change. And so this is sort of like, I, I'm a guy for success by doing these things from behavioral science and social psychology and then neuroscience. And I learned that um, there's a way of setting goals that makes you automatically work on them. So one of the chapters in my book is called Who Needs Willpower? Because if you understand how to set a goal, then you will automatically work toward it. And procrastination just ain't a thing. So that is what I started. I was like, well, why don't we all just take a little more effort and set the kind of goals in our (laughs) subconscious that make us automatically work towards things so then we don't have to try. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And so um I was motivated to write a book before that, but I would say helping people understand how to find their purpose is something I do really differently and that came through academia through uh just my contacts and you know reaching out to the best of current academia. Mm-hmm. Uh and then also in neuroscience, because academia before we see what people are currently researching, there's about 10 years. Uh, because they have to get it reviewed by their journals yeah. and then they talk about it in their circles. There's usually a couple of years of their research and then there's another couple of years before they get it established. Peer then reviewed. they go around and talk and right. So yeah. then it eventually kind of filters down into the consultants and people like me, but I have uh, been able to meet some really top people in their field now. And I was so excited about what I was learning from them. 
And my book is actually about, it's like two books in one. It's blending all this mm. stuff about how to reprogram yourself as you learn a good, solid business building structure. That's great. You know what? I, I, I think yeah, goals are, goals are funky. I've, I've talked about goals a few times. Yeah. Um, but what I wanted to, you know, okay, so there's a lot of people like me. And I'm just going to ask the question um, about purpose. Yeah. So, so break this down for me because here's the, here's where I'm coming from. And I like to learn on these podcasts. Like I feel like I learn more than my listeners do sometimes, but here's the, here's the thing. Purpose. What's up with that? Because it's like, what should your purpose be? Cause I feel like my, like if I would have defined purpose a, a while ago for me, I would have been like, Oh, I want to, I just feel like my purpose changes. But is there, is there one is there one thing you focus on that carries you, or what's up? With, just yeah. Break it so what there's I a lot of skepticism around. Yeah, for sure. I, yeah. Go ahead. I, I think there's a lot of um, well, there's a lot of different ways of defining purpose, and so I think coming up with a, a definition about what that is. I certainly looked mm -hmm. for mine for eight years without success until I met um, a distinguished professor who is one of the foremost people in the world in the area of how to find your calling. And I uh, had a few um, meetings with him and he helped me understand what a purpose actually was, uh, you know, from an academic viewpoint. So I'm not going to satisfy all the millions of possible, like there's as many people, you know, I like to say there's sometimes there's as many theories as there are theorists. Okay. So I am speaking from an academic viewpoint of, of what that would be. Um, what I have learned in working with my clients is there's a way of sort of finding out, it's just like what gets you out of bed in the morning or what's mm -hmm. um, what makes you feel intrinsically good, right? Where are you getting a, the greatest sense of fulfillment? So a lot of people think, I talk about this in my book and also with my students, a lot of people think misunderstand a purpose as a project. So a pro, I've never seen a purpose that's like build a well or a school or whatever. <laughs> that's a mission. That's actually a project. Purposes yeah. are actually, uh, if you can't do them by lunch, I say, you probably haven't found yours. What I have discovered working with my clients and I give the entire technique in my book in chapter five All right. is um, what, and I talk about why haven't we found it? Uh, because people don't know what it's going to feel like when you mm. find it. A lot of people think, like I say, what do you think it's going to be like when you find your true purpose? It, assuming you thought there was a purpose, Dalton, what do you think it'll feel like when you find your true purpose? I have no idea. I mean, I don't feel like I would. Uh... Like if you found your purpose for life, the reason that you're here on this life, on this planet, if you found that out, what would you expect that moment to be like? Uh, yeah, that's a good question for personally. I don't have big, like I can count on my hand how many times I've had like these epiphanies where I like everything for me, it'd probably just feel like a, like a clear day, like waking up on a beach. Like, <laughs> I'd be like, oh, I'd be like, clear day. This is so nice. that's not what I, a lot of my clients, I like that actually clear day. A lot <laughs> of my clients will say, and it's, it's actually similar. It's like this clarity are all, all of a sudden arised. Um, or a lot of my sure. clients, I, I joke in the book and I say, you think there's going to be a marching band? We've got your purpose on, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we expect it to be this big moment like we see in the movies with fireworks and, you know, all for us. Sure. But, or, or a clear day, even that clarity can be such a relief. But what it's actually is a slow burning ember. 
it's like a it's more of like a no it's more of like a no way moment really yeah like it's that and okay. how we find it is you tell a bunch of stories following certain criteria about your past so your purpose okay. is buried in your past it's not some something that you make up and it's not something you just do for work. Um, sure. And you tell a bunch of stories about your past and you go through and you find the common themes. There's a very data driven way to find it. And I usually say, you know, you found it when you get frisson or goosebumps or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> you think of it, there's actually like an internal ember that, that clicks on and you're like, Oh my God, I feel so good. And it's often yeah. things like, um, it's often things like helping people like, and it's always something you do for yourself and others. It's not some job you have for others. It's usually the biggest thing you had to do for yourself. So it could be like shining a light on beauty. It could be helping, you know, um, the creation of helping people feel dignified, myself and others feel dignity. Uh, mm -hmm. Mine is like watching dreams come true, like little and small as <laughs> other people as belonging. They're simple concepts that you can, you can execute these by breakfast. They're not, so you just, and the reason it's important to yeah. know this thing about yourself is because it's part of how you train your brain to work on goals without willpower. And we yeah. all have yeah. these concepts that just feel just, and, and they're demonstrated in stories from our past when we felt really good about ourselves. Mm -hmm. So I walk people through the entire technique. It's very data-driven for sciencey people. Um, and it just walks us through like, cause I have a brain that's dyslexic and I also a bit ADHD. Uh, yeah. So the dyslexic, I need this like process. I need it like do, 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 do. So I walk people through the process um, and whether it's a purpose or just something that makes you feel real good. Um, it actually is extremely important to stimulating the parts of your brain that will help you work on your goals. Wow. That's incredible. I'm ready for it then. I'm ready for it. You know what, though, the, I, now that you say that, some of the best times in my life were like, no way. Like when I was surprised and I was like, yeah, this is ridiculous <laughs> or like that shouldn't have worked, but it did. <laughs> you know what I mean? Okay. Yeah. And so it's that feeling of like maybe doing the, I had I've had a client who it was like kind of doing the impossible was there's like yeah. little, little bits of impossible. Um, yeah. It uh, So it's not the best times of your life. It's when you felt the best about yourself. So it's right. usually when you did something kind of crummy. Like I've had people tell stories like, oh, it's when I did shoe shining from door to door or, um, you know, oh, it's cool. like when I went to visit an aunt to party with my friends. Like it's often it's not the stories that are just like, it's when I was on a beach and like I didn't have to work and there's no one bugging me. No, it's not. The <laughs> it's usually more like. I put myself out there in a way that was sort of difficult and I know I did the right thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I love that. I mean, I absolutely, uh, a lot of people need that, especially the willpower part. I read that in Charles Duhigg's book, uh, the, uh, the, po the power of habit, creepy book. Yeah. Fantastic book though. Yeah. Built on behavioral science. That book. <sighs> yeah. Man, I learned some stuff uh, in that book that I was like, that's incredible. Yeah. Really <laughs> that book made me think, or or that book scared me. There, there have been a few books that like, when I read some stuff, I was like, that's scary. Almost. You know what I mean? Like, and I've read three of them. That one, the 48 laws of power. And then talking with strangers by my Malcolm Gladwell. Those books awesome. kind of, those books kind of scared me, but like a good scary. It's like, you know, you're like, holy crap. I didn't know you could do that. Or like, holy crap. Somebody actually took the time to learn this. 
Um, those are some of my favorites. What are some of your favorite books? Um, well, uh, thinking about when I really learned about, I, you know, change, uh, probably influencer, uh, by vital, a team called vital smarts, where they really walk through a model that shows you how much power we have over our lives that I didn't realize. So that, that one really changed my life. Um, a favorite book in terms of just life lessons would have been, uh, the art of possibility by Rosamund and, uh, Benjamin Zander, who, uh, just like amazing stuff, like just such great thinking tools. And he, he's like a funny story because he was like this jerk conductor, one of the world's best orchestra conductors. And he was like, you know, (laughs) famous and really full of himself. And he, had a second marriage with this psychologist who taught him all these new ways to think. And he tried it out on his orchestras. Uh, so there's a lot of really fun stories from wow. that book. Wow. Um, it's cool. It's really, really, really fun. Like one of the ideas in that book, you talked about, yeah, one of the ideas was um, everyone gets an A. You talked about the idea of try from one of the books you read, but this okay. one is like everybody gets an A. And so he did this in university, got in kind of trouble from saying, he's like, no, look, you're all going to get an A. And you're going to spend the rest of the term proving to me why you deserved it. Ooh, that's a good one, though. Right? We ran a, we did a spiff like that in my sales team where the, so are you familiar with what a spiff is? Like if I say spiff? Okay, so so a spiff, so in sales, it's a pretty common term in sales, but a spiff is like uh, extra money. So like cash, usually it's like, okay, uh, you have your salary and your commission, if that's how it is, or you have commission. But then like your manager will come up for the weekend or, or, or that month and be like, hey, guys, uh, we're, we're not hitting enough uh, calls. So whoever makes the most calls this month gets 100 bucks cash oh, or okay. whoever, whoever does uh, something extra. You know, it's yeah. just like this it's mama don't know money is like what they it doesn't. You know what I mean? It's just cash under just cash. Love it. Um, so we had a spiff one weekend uh, and the, and our general manager was like, here's the we had like, you know, we had like. I mean, it was a lot of money he handed out. We had like 20, 25 salespeople and he gave everybody a hundred dollars. And he said, the spiff this month, this weekend is a hundred bucks. And then he said, and it's this, he told us what it was. And he's like, but here it is. If you don't hit it, you got to give me the money back. Oh, and how'd that work? <laughs> oh, it was great. Nobody missed it. <laughs> and for this, so they talk crazy. in the book, they say he had everybody write an essay on how they were going to earn their A. Wow, that's incredible. Isn't it smart? So wow. I, I so you're like book. picturing yourself because like isn't that that's the cognitive that's why you take notes on paper. That's why we write journals on paper because it it creates that connection, right? Yeah, away. and you're proving like why am I gonna do this? And there's all sorts of good things oh, going on in the dang. brain. Like there's a really good reasons in the brain. So I really love that. And then I really like um my most sticky noted book of all time. Highlighted and sticky note a book of all time goes to the Heath brothers who wrote Made to Stick. Uh, and okay. that is, first of all, the best cover on a book. <laughs> major cover envy. And uh, okay. you'll see when you look it up. And it's also, oh, family's home. All right, no worries. <laughs> get interrupted soon. Um, but it's also hilarious because they okay. have uh, one of the brothers, I can't remember which one, is super funny. Um, and 
I have like little ticka 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 <laughs> running towards me. Puddles. All good. Yeah, um, all good. And, yeah, it's an amazing book. So those are my three influencer, I would say made to stick and the art of possibility, three phenomenal books. I have, I mean, I have like yeah. literally hundreds of books that have impacted oh, yeah. me very well. But I know, I know. I learned to ask that question differently. I asked you that question because it felt right at the time, but normally I'll be like, what's the book you recommend the most? Because what's your favorite book is, I couldn't answer that question. It's impossible. I'd be like, yeah, I'd be like, that's ridiculous. Well, then I would say, oh, gosh. I mean. Like the one you recommend the most. Like, yeah, it's, I, I'd say the one I recommend the most is probably uh, The Art of Possibility. Okay. Uh, and then just because that really gets us thinking different about ourselves. But there isn't, there isn't just one. Because I usually sure. like tying a recommendation to what someone needs in their life. Right. Good point. Well. Jill, I appreciate you being on. I've taken more than enough, more than enough of your time, uh, but I appreciate it. Uh, it's yep. been wonderful. So tell us when the book comes out, how that everybody can buy it, and uh, where they can find you if they if they want to get a hold of you. Awesome. So the book officially hits bookstores uh, September. I should know this seven, <laughs> uh, it, and Great. it's but it's available now as a pre-order on Amazon or a Kindle version on Amazon, and I do have a promotion where I'm giving away free PDF copies through my website. Would love, love, love to uh, share a book with any listeners who uh, want to just grab it and read it and see what they think, and you can get that at www jillmccabe.com j-i-l-l-m-c-a-b-e.com and there's like a little pop-up it'll take you right to it i love promoting the book uh let's help me get it out there if <laughs> are interesting to you um that would be great all right well i definitely make sure everybody has that link and, and make sure that this podcast goes out before then so that everybody can pre-order and, and get a hold of it but thank you so much Jill. thanks so much for your time Dalton.